from the Summer Skate Studios behind the mask hockey shops present College Hockey West Live. Behind the Masks College Hockey West Live is brought to you by Peterson Toyota. College graduate, member of the military, then you might be eligible for a special rebate or discount. See us at petersontoyota.com. Top Golf. Let us help you reimagine your next business meeting or team building event. See your regional center or go to topgolf.com. The NCHC and NCHC.TV. Subscribe to NCHC.TV to watch the best in college hockey since 2013. Behind the Mask Hockey Shops. Visit any of our Three Valley locations or go to BehindTheMask.com whether you're on ice or in line. Jets Pizza. Whether it's our legendary Detroit-style square or New York-style thin crust, Jets Pizza is better because it has to be. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, whether it's Las Vegas or any of our other worldwide properties, an iconic vacation awaits you at any of our destinations. Liberty University, play for something more. Faith, education, and hockey at liberty.edu. M-Drive, natural support for men looking to increase energy, strength, and drive. Always free delivery at mdriveformen.com. Summer skates, whether our original red or new black shower shoes, Show your game and style at summerskates.com. And by College Hockey, Inc., your NCAA hockey resource. College Hockey West Live from the Summer Skate Studios, presented by Behind the Mask, is a part of the IceTimeHockeyWest.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. Welcome in, hockey fans, anywhere that you may be listening to us tonight, live on the Podbean app. Laughlin, Nevada, about eight floors above the uh, Colorado River tonight. My co-host is always Paul Hornstein, joining me from beautiful Long Island, New York. Paul, how are things out on the island? Um, you know, I'm not up on the eighth floor in the penthouse or any other nonsense like you, but it was pretty nice today. Ah, that's good. You walk the dogs, I take it? I did. That's what I, you know, somebody had <laughs> That's to. what you do. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, you know, uh, you know, between that and trying to keep up with all the various, um, news of the day, I mean, it's supposed to be the week between the, you know, the, the week in between the regionals and the frozen fours is supposed to be this busy. No, but it's supposed to be, you know, this many things going on and, and so forth and so on. And, 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 uh. You know, just, I don't know. Uh, I I don't think the behind-the-scenes stuff or the off-ice stuff um, is supposed to be going on. Uh, what, I, what I think normally at this point we're hyping up what's going on with the four teams that are going to the national tournament. But to be honest with you, other than Boston U, is, is there any surprise with uh, who's on their way to Tampa? Why is BU a surprise? No, I said the only one that w- might be a slight surprise is BU because everybody else was a number one seed and they've been near the top of the rankings all year long, one, two, three, or four. So, uh, you know, I mean, there's not – how many? How, no, how much out. can First you beat all, the dead I, horse? Time out. Time out. First of all, I, I'd have to go back and look and see where, the, where they were ranked in week by week in the polls. But I've had them in the top seven 
all year. So it might be a surprise to other people. They're not a surprise to me. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not talking. What I'm saying is that the top three teams, Minnesota, Michigan, Quinnipiac, have been there all year. So right. and and people have talked about them and their rosters and everything they can do and if they have any okay. weaknesses and their goaltending. So it's kind of like uh, beating a dead horse right now. Um, where last year. Uh, for example, it was Minnesota and Michigan, but then it was Denver and Minnesota State, and people were intrigued again by Minnesota State and their goaltender Dryden McKay and Denver getting back there again. There were so many other storylines, uh, I think, as opposed to this year, where what are the storylines? you got two teams that are loaded with NHL players. Actually, all the teams are loaded with NHL players now. But what what's the storyline people are looking for in the week leading up to the Frozen Four? Well, I, I think people are talking, you know, I, I don't, honestly, I don't know if anybody's talking about that right now. I think everybody's talking about the portal. Everybody's talking about, um, as we found out today, the situation in Mankato. Um, you know, I, th- I think that's what. I mean, I get, I get the portal stuff because there are still fifty-eight teams that have to go about their business. But I don't know. It just seems to me like that's most of what everybody's talking about. Well, and and that's like I said, it, the hype is not on the four teams because everybody's talked about the storylines till they're blue in the face. Um, now it's just like, okay, can we just play the games and find out who wins this thing? There's no intrigue, at least from my end of it. There's no intrigue in this. We knew Minnesota was going to be there. We figured Michigan would be there. We figured Quinnipiac was going to be there. We we thought maybe Denver would be there, and they're not there. So BU is a formidable uh, fourth team, if you will. But they were, but, they were the but number what's the five seed overall. I know. So that's why I say. So what's the storyline? That's why I think everybody's caught up in more of the portal and the coaching changes. And you had to know that Wisconsin wanted to get their coach as quickly as possible because uh, they weren't going to wait around. They, they got work to do. Well, yeah, and I think that uh, I, I think that people are, you know, that Wisconsin wanted to make sure they got the guy they wanted before somebody else did. Um, and I'm and I'm going to go out on a very, very tough limb here and say, you know, first of all, to, to make sure they got the guy they wanted, it's not like Wisconsin doesn't have the resources. And. Well, if you remember correctly, um, a few hundred miles to the east of them last year, uh, there was talk, or this summer, there was talk about would Mike Hastings be the new coach at Michigan? Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, a couple of, uh, the year before that, there was probably talk of him moving somewhere too. Anytime you're as successful as he is or has been over the past 11 seasons at Minnesota State, you know that he's going to be at the top of everybody's list. And I, I think that for him, this is a, a stepping stone again. Um, you know, Mike and I go back 30 years, more than 30 years. 
I remember his days coaching uh, junior college hockey, coaching youth hockey, and he's climbed the ladder and he's done it very respectfully and he's done it very steadily from one spot to the next spot to the next spot. And every place that he's been, Paul, he's left a legacy. Um, Minnesota State, uh, probably a little frustrated that they don't have him anymore, but what can you say uh, bad about what Mike Hastings did for the Maverick Hockey Program in the University at Minnesota State? Um, nothing. I mean, um, as we're finding out today, the you know their their the their backup plan if if Hastings left is is not going to work out because apparently Todd Knott has turned down the head coaching job. And that's probably resources too. Um, I'm sure that um, Wisconsin, if that is indeed where he officially ends up, can you know match whatever Minnesota State wants to pay its head coach. Yeah, more than likely, and you know, um, because Todd I'm is sure in, that. Uh, Mike Hastings didn't go for the same money he was getting in Minnesota State. No, no, no. And and Todd has been uh, Mike's right-hand man, his recruiting guy. Um, everybody talks about how much he deserves a head coaching job, but, you know, maybe it's got to be the right situation. I'm not saying Minnesota State isn't the right situation, but this was a different year for the Mavericks because for four years they relied on a guy named Dryden McKay, who you know and support yep. Yep. a lot. Um, all of a sudden they played this year without him and um, it wasn't quite the same. It wasn't, but I'll say again, if you look at the second half of the season, they were much more consistent and kind of got their feet right. Yeah, no doubt about that. I, okay. I saw them at, in, in Tempe when they were and, just making that ascension. You know, and, and the two names you would hear every, you know, since we've been doing this, the two names you would hear every year that seemed to be the guys that were going to be uh, at least thought of as targets by the quote-unquote bigger schools were Hastings and, you know, your boy there at Duluth, Scott Sandlin. Yeah. And uh, I think for Mike Hastings, you know, nothing, I'm not going to take away anything to, by Minnesota State, but from Minnesota State by saying this, but um, obviously the high profile job between the two is Wisconsin, right? I mean, you're in the Big oh, Ten, yeah. you're, uh, you know, it's much more high profile than, than being at Minnesota State. So if you were going to continue to ascend in the coaching ranks, that would be maybe the next step short of going to an AHL or NHL team. And I don't know if the AHL is really that big of a step up from a big NCAA program. Well, it's definitely different. Yeah, without a doubt. And okay. and, and the coaches you see in the AHL that generally don't come from college. No, no. They they're um, they're in the pro ranks, so they've been you know other places in the pro ranks, and they they fit an organization's need and qualifications, and uh, you know which kind of surprises me, Paul, because. Uh, when you look at, and you know, my next week is filled with seeing AHL teams out here on the West Coast. And um, when you look at them, they're full of NCAA players. 
that's part of the reason why I'm pounding this so hard is to see all these guys that we've followed now for the past five, six years in NCAA hockey and see them make the adjustment, right? Um, last Wednesday night, I had a chance to see some guys, Dylan Sakura, who played at Northeastern, and um, Chase Prisky, who played at Quinnipiac. Um, Steven talked uh, with Jack Eichel, who uh, gave him some really good comments that we're probably going to have on Monday um, regarding uh, his time at BU and uh, how excited he is about uh, BU in the tournament. But it's kind of amazing or shocking, I guess, to me that more NCAA coaches that move on don't move on to that ranks. But I guess it's a lifestyle. It's it's brutal. Well, I think it's that. And, and part of, you know, I, I think you have a situation where I think you see it in basketball, too, where college coaches don't. I mean, there are some college coaches that 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 end up, you know, going to uh, the NBA. I mean, obviously, it does happen, but I I don't know uh, if it happens as much because it's just a different game. It yeah, just I, clearly, I... is a different game. I totally agree with you on that. I, my my thought, though, is that with NCAA players making the jump usually to the AHL for a few years, you would think the fit for an NCAA hockey coach would be better. But I, I think it's the lifestyle of that. And um, as an AHL coach, uh, the, the, the it's a two-headed monster because the NHL team that you're affiliated with wants you to develop talent for them, but they also want you to win games for your fan base. And that can be really difficult because guys, I mean, you just look at the teams where guys have gone up and down and it happens to teams every year, some more than others. But as that happens, uh, it's hard to keep winning hockey games when you're transitioning your roster, you know, four five, six, seven guys at a time sometimes. Um, so it's, it's a difficult task and maybe NCAA coaches aren't, aren't really into that. And, we're going to get into that in just a minute, but we got Nick Maxson joining us, our our own Nick Max. I'm calling him that for, for the heck of it. But <laughs> hey, Nick, Nick, Scott, and Paul, with you, thanks for joining us tonight. We're going to talk NCAA hockey. You up for it? As always, I'm just happy to be here. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're good. We're yeah, good. you're still a, little, still a little quiet, though, if you got your volume. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, um, we're, we're just talking about Mike Hastings and, and him taking the job at Wisconsin, Nick, and, and your thoughts on that. I know uh, there were some rumblings around St. Cloud, and maybe you um, were closer to it than a lot of people, but um, the chance that that head coach might might be leaving uh, for Wisconsin. But Mike Hastings is the guy. What's your thoughts on it? I think if you're Wisconsin, and hopefully this is coming through loud and clear for you guys, but uh, I, I think you, both of these coaches have, have proven that either one of them would have been one heck of a coach at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, Mike Hastings, 11th year uh, in Minnesota State, uh, definitely has probably proven and done anything he could with that program. And, you know, God presented an opportunity that he couldn't put down. And for Wisconsin, which has had – essentially one season above 500 since Tony Granado took over seven years ago uh, in a Big Ten conference that has essentially risen to 
be the best in college hockey this year above the NCHC. Uh, Mike Hastings looking at what probably could be the best opportunity that he might get in his lifetime, decided to jump on it. And so you got to be happy for Mike Hastings uh, and for Minnesota State right now, a bit reeling as I'm sure you guys have talked about this, who Todd Knott, the assistant uh, head coach, uh, was uh, essentially declined to take over as head coach of Minnesota State. So uh, what was supposed to be a, a seamless transition into uh, a coaching staff that you know, probably knew a lot of the players, a lot of question marks happening down in Mankato, but Brett Larson also stayed with St. Cloud, and I know for Huskies fans, we're happy with it. And uh, But again, you got to tip your cap to Hastings. He did a heck of a job, and uh, has, it's got quite the tall task at the, at the Scots for these fans. Yeah, totally going to agree with you on that, Nick. Um, my thought also is um, when you look at these guys and, and the moves that they make, and I don't know why Todd not uh, would want to move on, but I'm guessing it's got to do with, you know, if he ends up in Wisconsin as an assistant for Coach Hastings again, it probably has to do with uh, dollars and it probably has to do with the relationship. Or who knows, maybe he just wasn't prepared, um, which I would doubt, but maybe he just didn't want the undertaking uh, that it is. I mean, it's definitely a step up, as you mentioned, to go from Minnesota State to Wisconsin. Um, Brett Larson, was he, was he really serious at any point, uh, Nick, or do you think it was kind of Mike Hastings all along. I think Mike Hastings was probably, you know, the, the favorite candidate. There's no question Brett Larson and what he's done. The body of work at St. Cloud makes him an attractable candidate. The information that I have says that, uh, you know, he was at least reached out to, but uh, I don't want to say he declined the interview. I don't know that much of a fact, but it, it sounds like Hastings was the number one guy all the way, but it wouldn't shock me if, uh, Brett Larson continued to get looks. We've been saying the same thing with UMD coach Scott Sandlin and the NHL open positions. And again, guys have reasons why that they stay where they're at, or maybe they choose one program over the other. But Brett Larson stays in St. Cloud. He's got a pretty good roster that's coming in uh, for recruiting-wise, and uh, it, it continues to have a, a program that is in the bottom 22 in spending, the uh, consistently a top 10 performer in the NCAA. It's it's quite the feat. Uh, so Brett Larson will continue to have his name floated, but I know Huskies Nations are happy to have him still as the head coach. Paul, are you on mute or are you coming on with us? No, no, I'm just, I'm, listen, I, listen, we, I just, I just mentioned it before we had, and I was just, just waiting for, uh, um, uh, you know, we mentioned Scott Sandlin just before Nick uh, came on. Um, I'm, you know, considering that um, basically the Wisconsin job is the only one. I mean, I, I don't. It's it's the only it's the only job that was that was open at the end of the season. I, I usually you get a lot more more changes in terms of uh, head coaches at at the end of the season, but I think Wisconsin has been the only one. So they really were going to have their choice of whoever they wanted to go after because, um, A, Wisconsin's a blue blood. Uh, I know they haven't played like it in the last eight, nine years, but, you know, they always were. Um, and, and, you know, usually there's a carousel, but there was no carousel this year. Heck, he was it. Wisconsin was it. And, yeah. you know, 
and if the and if the bottom line was cash, and you can't blame somebody for taking the cash because I guarantee it, without seeing it, that uh, the guys in Madison took a big giant truck full of it, and and handed it over to Scott Hastings because, um, you know, where he was, a lot of job security where he was, he was winning every year. And he didn't have to worry about looking over his shoulder. So, what do you if you if you have the job security? the 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 only thing you would be tempted to leave for is a giant bundle of cash. I think that's and, part of it, Paul. Uh, I will say this: uh, Wisconsin was a distant seventh in the Big Ten this year uh, in its meteoric rise to the top of the college hockey landscape. And, Scott, I think you would agree with me on this. I mean, it's not that Cronado has had great seasons. He hasn't had bad seasons. But I think the pressure mounted with this program after a, a very tumultuous start, you look at the top six minus Wisconsin, it was a big gap. I mean, every single club above Wisconsin was competitive with each other. They had chances where they were – I think all of them had at least a ranking in the top 20 at some point, including Notre Dame. And so Wisconsin was kind of, dare I say it, you know, the, the lone wolf sitting out of the pack. And, you know, uh, Wisconsin, a, a prideful athletic organization uh, there in, in Badger country, uh, looked at that and said, hey, we, if the Big Ten is on the rise and back to the WCHA days, I mean, they were just as of a danger program as Minnesota and Michigan are today. They want to get back to that. They, they see what college hockey landscape is changing right in front of our eyes. Uh, we know that realignment for some of these other conferences is eventually going to have to happen. And uh, Wisconsin has to stay competitive. Uh, and again, a very uh, hockey-rich market here in the Midwest. Hastings, no. And that's the thing I think people forget is if Todd Knott is, is going to go with Hastings, Todd Knott is known as one of the best recruiting, uh, essentially, coaches in the, in the entire nation. Uh, big responsibility for getting a lot of the talent that they've had over the course of the past many, many years down there in Mankato. And so if you can win that recruiting battle against your Minnesotas uh, now against Mankato, Duluth, North Dakota, even a little bit Bemidji, St. Cloud, and you're recruiting from the same areas, uh, you're going to have another rise of Badger hockey to relevance, and that's what they're looking for. So to me, it was the hire uh, for multiple reasons because a success, but also the recruiting landscape. He's got that unlocked as well. Well, and because of the whole resource thing, and, and we're not going to sit here. Well, yes, we are. At least I am. Um, you can sit here and speculate why not didn't take the Minnesota state job. But um, once again, um, with the resources they have, I'm pretty sure Wisconsin can match whatever Minnesota State was going to pay not and more. And once again, if you, you you don't get a lot of those, quote, paydays, especially college hockey. And I'm going to guess that Minnesota State couldn't match the numbers. Most likely not. And you kind of wonder, too, with, Todd not situation if if and indeed is later confirmed he is following Mike Hastings to Wisconsin. Uh, there's some leverage there, right? Todd not knows that you know the contingency plan was there for him to take over if and when Mike Hastings 
either left Mankato for, you know, essentially retirement or for a different head coaching job, which has happened. And for him to turn it down as quickly as he did, again, the report out of Mankato says he turned it down yesterday. Uh, so right. these things move quick. Uh, and you kind of wonder, like you said, Paul, if resources were a big part of it, I'd imagine that it is. And, you know, it is curious that Todd Knott, who could easily be a head coach, you know, like you said, is it, is it just, just a payday? Is, you know, he comfortable with being an assistant coach? Does he like the recruiting field? Is that his forte? Don't know for sure, but if it is indeed a, a, a tandem heading to Wisconsin, uh, look out. It's going to take them some time. There's some bare cupboards at Wisconsin um, there after Granado and his staff um, have left, but uh, you know that three, four years down the line, uh, Wisconsin will be a team to, to reckon with in the Big Ten, and there'll be a big reason why. Well, let's, let's, let's face it. I mean, one of the things that the smaller schools fear when the bigger schools add programs or have their programs is the resources. And, um, you know, Wisconsin and their hockey program, like the other schools in the Big Ten, whether we like it or not, um, they're getting a big increase and a big giant chunk of change that they didn't have before in the next few years with the new TV contracts for football. Yep. And even if those bigger schools are not, quote, going out of their way to shove their resources in other people's faces, just by natural causes, so to speak, it's going to happen. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll kind of put a cap on that. Um, before we uh, take a break, though, I want to get Nick's thoughts on the four teams uh, in the Frozen Four now uh, that we're officially into this. And Nick, Paul and I were talking before you came on about um, it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of storylines this year, right? I mean, Minnesota was supposed to be there. Michigan was supposed to be there. Quinnipiac was supposed to be there. Boston U was right on the edge of the top four all year. The only one that was in the top four that we figured would be there would be Denver. But normally there's a few upsets or there's some storylines. But, uh, you know, and I'm trying not to be derogatory and I say this, but it feels a little fatigueish to me because we, we know how good all four of those teams are, but certainly Quinnipiac, Michigan, and Minnesota. So just your thoughts on those four teams and, and entering uh, the Frozen Four this week. Scott, I think we have to remember, too, that a lot of attention was paid this year to the first round of the NCAA tournament and just how lopsided it was, right? And it's not that, you know, we're taking anything away from Michigan, Minnesota, Boston, or Quinnipiac. I mean, these were teams that were projected to be, as you said, top of their conference, top of the nation, and they held pat. And essentially beyond what the top six, maybe eight, uh, there, there really wasn't you know, the depth of competition this year as we had really had hoped, right? So you could say it was kind of a dud, uh, but I, I think there are some storylines here. Michigan has not won a title since 1998. Uh, and mind you, Michigan, essentially since the aforementioned the Big Ten, over the past couple of seasons, they have risen back to a power team that, granted, before this, they were kind of sluggish. They're, they're, they weren't really relevant in the landscape. Minnesota, the same thing after the WCHA uh, essentially being dispatched in the formation of the Big Ten. 
Uh, they're back to being a relevant powerhouse. Uh, Quinnipiac is sort of that East Coast sleeper team that probably doesn't get enough attention, especially here in the Midwest, but they do. And then Boston, again, another sort of legacy program that has kind of gone under the radar. So you're right. There isn't a ton of a lot of good storylines to follow. In fact, if anything, the storylines are in the Hobie Baker finalists, right? You got two sophomores and one freshman. Yeah. Um, yeah. Holy cow, right? So there's more intrigue there. But, hey, you know, there's, there's still some there, right? Minnesota with how young and how talented it is. They've been on a mission. Michigan, you could say the same thing about them. A lot of people are projecting an old Big Ten national championship game but they've got two strong programs in boston and quinnipiac that are looking to disrupt that so um you never know right uh these teams are young um some got experience uh, some have different strengths than others so i think if you dig deeper there's some intrigue there but how we got here uh certainly felt more scripted than it has in years past well i was gonna say the only storyline you know as i sit here and listen to listen to the to your comments nick it, the only real storyline that jumps out is did the two M schools learn anything from getting beat in the semifinals last year? I mean, uh, you know, as we've talked about here a lot, Denver and Minnesota State, you know, went there with the idea of our goal is to win the national championship. Um, at least that's the, the, the feel of it anyway, while Minnesota and Michigan. No, uh, no, no. Let, let me restate that for you right now. Because you said that a million times. Okay. Yeah. That, oh, okay. Let, let's get it's this not correct. not like we have you on tape. Okay, let's go. <laughs> let's get this correct. I said last year, Minnesota State and Denver looked like number one priority was winning a national championship and then sending players to the NHL, where I thought Minnesota and Michigan last year we're more focused on giving players to the NHL. And, oh, by the way, if we win the national championship, it's a great thing. I think it's flipped a little bit this year. And, Paul, to answer your question about whether they learned something, I think they did. And here's why. Uh, everybody from the time Denver won the championship last year has been saying, Denver needs to win number 10. They're, good. They're looking for number 10. David Carl's focused on 10. His team is focused on 10. Now they're out. But guess who can win 10 first now? the Michigan Wolverines. And if they do that, they they will take away all that talk last year about can Denver be the first to 10 because now they wouldn't be. So I think that is uh, is one of the storylines that if somebody wants to take it and run with it would be a, a good storyline is how much does that really matter to Michigan? Do they really want to be the, the first team to 10 or does Denver want to be the first team to 10 and now Denver can't get there? Come on. Nick, your thoughts on that? I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of on the fence that that's a bit overhyped than I think both teams would like to admit. First to 10, I mean, sure, it's an accomplishment even just getting to this point, right? Uh, let's not forget yeah. Michigan was without Fantilli for the first half of the season. They were kind of an up-and-down team. They really weren't as dominant. Uh, there were some question marks about – you know, if they were to face teams like Ohio State, Michigan State, Minnesota, you know, could they compete with them? And then Fantilli comes in uh, halfway through the year and makes Michigan an instant contender, right? A big reason why he's a Holy Baker finalist. Uh, yeah, sure, you you could call you, you could talk about the Holy Baker and the and the the ten national championships, but to me, I think when you have an opportunity to win one, 
you're not looking back at the previous nine, the previous eight, how many it is. You're, you're trying to focus on getting to that opportunity because it's about the kids, the success of the program, you know, the lifelong memories that you're going to have, the opportunity, how rare it is to get there. Um, yeah, sure, it's nice, but I'm not sure if that's a focus for the team because they haven't even saw it. Well, well, let me tell you about Denver because uh, this entire time, the talk around Denver since the time they had their celebration last year was about what, what, what do you want? What do you want, coach? What do you want, players? And then the talk was 10 uh, last April, and it continued all the way through. It was like, we want to win the 10th national championship. We want to do it before anybody else. So whether that was hype or not hype, it was around the locker room. It was around the team. It was around guys that left. It was around the coaching staff. They all will admit uh, that they wanted to be the first team to 10, and they may still be. But what I'm saying is, um, does Michigan look at that now and say, hey, there's a little bit of more, more motivation, if you will, because we know we're sending guys to the NHL. We know that, that uh, we've got nine championships, um, and now we can maybe put a stake in these guys by winning the 10th. I, I think that's a little fire that may be burning um, kind of on the back channels. It's possible. Um, I, I'm not sure, again, that I think that they will. I think it's more of a media-created storyline than anything. <laughs> I mean, honestly. That's what the uh, media does, Nick. That's I, I what know, we do. Right? We create yeah. stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, fair enough. But, you know, again, if you talk to these players in the locker room, you know, Michigan and Quinnipiac, Minnesota and Boston, you know, they're not going to get there unless they win their first game, right? So, yeah, tens of, I don't know if you call it the, the bragging line. Like, yeah, we're the first to ten, but let's just say and then Michigan falls apart. You know, they lose how many of their draft picks to NHL contracts, and then all of a sudden next year they are not as competitive because they just don't have the recruits to replace them, and, you know, the other teams in the Big Ten get better. Uh, I mean, sure, talks is one thing, and, you know, maybe that's part of it. But again, you know, getting to this opportunity, you know, let's let's look at St. Cloud, 18-19, arguably one of the best teams that the country's ever seen in college hockey, undefeated at home. And then they pop into a Fargo arena that had chilling problems. You face a 16 AIC team that's never been to the national championship. And all of a sudden, what you thought was going to be an easy road to the Frozen Four in the first national championship for the Huskies, after one game, they're out. So, you know, I, I think numbers is less important as to make sure you get there and take care of business on the ice. Uh, I just want it known for the record that I'm not the one that keeps bringing up that, that St. Cloud <laughs> AIC team. I'm not the one that brings that up. I go back much further to the matchup we didn't get in the first round, but I just want to make sure people understand. And I know some people that are, that are, you know, St. Cloud alums besides Nick, um, that I'm not the one that brings it up. I never am. Yeah, you're off the hook. That's, off all, the hook. that's all I'm saying. All right. <laughs> let's do this. Let's take a quick break, guys. And let's come back because we have so much transfer portal stuff to talk about, which I think is insane. Um, and uh, I want to get everybody's opinion on that because, Paul, your, your, uh, your school, uh, do they have any players left is what I want to know. We'll find out in just a minute. At Behind the Mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. 
point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or BehindTheMask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com. talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel, Gensel. banks it towards the goal. He scores. Gail McCarr. Gail McCarr. He scores. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. So you're a few weeks into the season and that brand new equipment bag is starting to get kind of funky. Those sweaty gloves and pads, yuck. Well, there's only so much you can do about it. But when that new pair of summer skates starts to pick up that scent, that's easy. Our customizable shower shoes go right into the washing machine, then air dry overnight, and they're ready for the next shift at the rink. Customizable for your team or with your favorite player's name and number, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear, are perfect for players in the desert or even for just wearing around the house. Head to IcetimeHockeyWest.com and click on the Summer Skates link to get your personalized koozies and shower shoes today. From the nation's best college hockey conference... Access exclusive on-demand content and watch more than 140 live games. Ready for you wherever you are, however you want to watch. On your phone, computer, or stream to your TV. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. When you can't be there, be here. Subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv. If it's nchc hockey, it's on nchc.tv. After a hard day at work or a long week, what's better than some good comfort food to put you at ease? At the Spaghetti Shack, we say the answer is comfort food that's made by somebody else. The Spaghetti Shack has taken spaghetti and meatballs, the classic Italian comfort food, to a portable level. ASU alumni owned and operated the Spaghetti Shack is located at 6340 South Rural Road in Tempe, as well as its ghost kitchen. Green Creek. For lunch, dinner, or catering, call us at 480-687-2485 or order online at thespaghettishack.com. All right, welcome back in, hockey fans. It's Sunday night, which means it is time for College Hockey West Live. Scott Strandy with you tonight, about eight floors above the Colorado River in beautiful Laughlin, Nevada. It was a balmy 82, 83 degrees today. My co-host, as always, Paul Hornstein, out on that big, beautiful palatial estate on Long Island, New York. And Nick Maxson is with us from um, a very snowy and maybe slightly warmer Minnesota. Nick, how are things in Minnesota? Better today than they were yesterday. Uh, eight inches of snow <laughs> that that came through uh i'll tell you what scott you know if you think you're sick of the snow and you barely read this latest snowstorm put the twin cities area in the top 
three snowiest winters on record. It's been that kind of a year for us, and let's just say this. We're all sick of it. Uh, we're all ready for it. Uh, it was about 50 degrees here today, so a lot of that has already melted. Uh, but, uh, yeah, couldn't get to the spring and the summer temps sooner enough. It's been, it's been quite a ride. Paul, Paul, do you have snow out there in the palatial estate, or do the servants take care of it all? Um, I'll, I'll let you know when I find one of those palatial estates because uh, <laughs> just look at no. your neighbors across the street there in the Hamptons. You guys are close. I I can't. They don't let me in the Hamptons. They keep telling you that. <laughs> anyway, I'm okay, not guys. So, the socioeconomics. <laughs> so we talked about the coaching change, uh, singular. Uh, we talked about the uh, the four teams in the Frozen Four, and we'll talk about those as we go on this week. Um, but the transfer portal has been lighting up. And, um, Nick, I want to get your opinion in a second, but I want Paul to start off by letting us know, Paul, what in the world is going on in Tempe, Arizona? Because we had Coach Powers on a couple of weeks ago, and he said it was going to be done. It was over. They weren't going to be losing any more guys. And um, I think a few more guys snuck in. Uh, well, uh, apparently Jack Jensen has gone into the, to the portal. And um, I'm trying to think if there was another name. Jack oh, Judson. Teddy Lagaba. Yeah, I said Jack, Jack Judson. No, that was before. We already talked about it, though. Okay. The, the okay. last two guys were Lagerback and, and Jack Jensen. Um, now that surprises me, my friend, because both of those yeah, were mainstays in what Coach Powers liked right. about his season last year. Right, when they were healthy. Um, yeah, I mean, and Jensen was a, was a big dude, 6'2", 210. Um and I don't know. I mean, who the heck knows anymore with the portal? I mean, you understand when guys don't play that they go in there trying to find a place to play, especially the goalies. But when guys are playing, you know, there could be any number of things. I'm just not privy to them. Okay, well, um, let's get Nick's opinion on this, and then I'm going to tell you what I think it is. Are you talking about the uh, transfer portal and just how crazy? We're been? talking about Arizona State at the moment. Give us your opinion. Why are they losing so many players this particular year, Nick? In your your opinion? It's hard to say, right? Because at the end of it, these year it's a year to year thing, and I think for a team that had. Pretty decent and high expectations started off the season relatively well and yeah. then kind of fell off the bottom half of the year. Uh, and you start to see maybe some openings. You start to see, you know, maybe some writing the walls with kids. And, you know, the one thing about the transfer portal that we've seen over the past few seasons is a lot of players have not been shy to, to jump into it and see if there are greener pastures, right? Uh, not to say that that's the case, but uh, look at Colorado College, right? Uh, after one of the best seasons they've had in some time, all of a sudden you look at what's going on with them and they're losing players left and right. It's, it's always hard to know exactly the reason. Uh, but with the transfer portal rules and things else, I mean, some players, whether it's fit, whether it's the coaching staff, hard to know. But I get the sense that Arizona State as a program uh, failed to meet expectations. And I get that some players who think maybe they deserve more ice time or just maybe didn't like the fit or looking to see if they can't find something better. Uh, maybe transfer portal a different program. Well, okay. Here's, let, let, here's, right. Go ahead. I was no, you say, go ahead and I'll I mean, tell you in, why. In, 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 
in 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 just to bring up the example that Nick did about CC. I mean, at least you could sit there and say, okay, well, the players that are leaving were players that were not recruited by the current coaching staff. Whereas these, the, at least the last two guys that ASU uh, had enter the portal, those guys p- were playing. It's not like, I mean, when, when they weren't playing, it was because they were hurt. Let, let me tell you why. You want to know why? Oh, you need to bring up the conference <laughs> thing again? <laughs> yes, because I'm going to tell you right now, right here, like I've been saying for the last two or three years, Arizona State made it to a tournament. They were going to make it to a second tournament. Then COVID hit. Then... They had high expectations with the new building, and they were going to go places and do things. And um, then they they played a year uh, in the Big Ten, which was, uh, I know why they did it, and I give them kudos for doing it, but it was a colossal failure as far as on the ice. Then they get uh, one more year in Oceanside, and then they get the new building. But both years, uh, the handwriting was on the wall in January that their season was over. You can't, I mean, right now, especially after COVID, I feel, the uh, the player is looking at his college hockey mortality. He's saying, I only got four, maybe at the most, five years of this. I can't afford to have my season end, essentially, in January because I want to go to the tournament. I at least want a shot. I mean, these guys are looking at CC right now, and they're going, like, look at CC. They were one game away, no matter how poorly they had played all year or how undermanned they were all year. They were one game away from getting into the NCAA tournament because they had a conference tournament. I think that that is bigger than you will ever imagine. No, I'm not going to say that that's not a factor. I'm 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 saying it's the biggest factor. Well... Uh, it could be, I, you know, what the percentage breakdown is. And I think that Nick would agree that every kid has their own individual reasons for doing it. So I don't know if there's one blanket reason why this happens, except for the goalies. Goalies want to play. Yeah, I, I think it's a bit of both, right, uh, Paul and Scott. You know, I, I think more so for Arizona State, uh, the, you know, the lack of, fulfilling expectations is, is one thing and I mean I'm sure we talked Alaska too right how bad must they feel right oh. in the conference tournament finishing their season 12th and then because of essentially sitting and not being able to play hockey they end up with upsets and other conferences and conference tournaments they end up on the outside looking in by one spot right yep. and I, I think you know Arizona State as a player very attractive in terms of you know the campus, the warm weather. Uh, you got a really nice arena to get to play in, but ultimately you're playing college hockey because, and I hate to quote the miracle memes that are going on, but you want to win a national championship, right? So That's what we no, we we make it a practice on this program, Nick, as you know, to quote that movie whenever possible. So don't worry about <laughs> so, that tonight. So, but uh, but you know that's where it is, right? If anything, it's a sentiment that shows that, you know, Arizona State has still some work to do, right? They, they have, you know, a different level they have to get to. Uh, we've talked about some of the different recruits that Arizona State may have come in, uh, but ultimately what may end up hurting teams like Arizona State, Lindenwood, the Alaska schools until something is, 
unless you know as if as long as they're independents they're going to be at the mercy of essentially say a good start and being able to be consistent throughout the year because they're not going to get help if anything sitting around is going to only hurt them when it comes to around this okay so so nick let me ask you this because uh uh a few st cloud players have left i know one for sure joined the tucson roadrunners and micah miller but just your thoughts on the guys that are going to the ahl and the nhl um is it different this year or is it just the same and we're just noticing it more? Cause it seems like a lot of guys are making that jump. No, you know, again, with Moscow, you, you have NHL caliber players, uh, you know, two that are on the watch, you know, three, I should say with the Washington Capitals, Charlie Linger and Nick Jensen McDowd, uh, Will Borgen with Seattle. Uh, and again, under Brett Larson, you had Ryan Kaling, who's with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, but this year that I should say the explosive talent, you know, isn't quite, hasn't been there, right? Uh, Micah Miller, a real Grand Rapids native, uh, built like a linebacker, again, 5'11". He's built 205, I think is what he's listed, but he skates really well. Uh, and, you know, under Greg Powers down there, I have, I have no, um, excuse me, Steve Potvin, I got him in there, he's going to sit next to him. Um, he, he will learn, he will develop, but as far as NHL contracts, I'm not sure that, you know, the guys that are eligible to sign really have, something that separates them from a lot of the rest of the pack, right? Uh, Yami Tranel, who was uh, defensive forward of the year, a great 200-foot player. He's a bit undersized, you know, for NHL or uh, even for maybe by some the AHL level. But look at Blake Lazat, former St. Cloud State Husky. I had the pleasure of watching for a couple of years, and he's a mainstay in the Los Angeles Kings roster. So it's hard to say, right? Sometimes it just comes down to timing. Sometimes there's different parts of your game, what teams are needing, what they're looking for. I'll tell you what, though, Scott, uh, I suppose Yami Tranola and, and maybe Andre Trable should be looking at the Colorado Eagles because that's where every NCAA free agent seems to be wanting to sign right now. So. Here's, the, here's the bummer about that, Nick. I was going to go see uh, the uh, Av- or the Eagles in Ontario today, and I, and I just, uh, well, economically it just didn't make sense. Feasibility with my... My travel schedule didn't make sense. But when I was thinking about it today, I was going like, doggone it, they just brought Kyle Mayhew from Denver onto that roster. And last night, about 8 o'clock, I found out they sent him to uh, the ECHL in Utah. And I'm going like, that's what I was part of the reason I was going there. I also wanted to see Sandlin and, uh, and those guys. And, of course, I love following the Eagles because I think that team is pretty solid. But... Um, so you never really know where these guys are going to go, right? They get a, a professional tryout offer, and then they get uh, they get sent to an AHL team, and then maybe the AHL team takes them to, to the ECHL. Sometimes they stay. Um, I know you know with Ben Myers, he was up and down this week two or three times, I think. Yeah, he was, and, you know, that's, that's what, you know, these – uh, minor hockey is kind of about right and it's it to me it's interesting scott and i'm not sure if you can bring insight to this a lot of people here in minnesota after uh say we say jason Pollen from western michigan uh was rumored to essentially have a couple of teams going after him and for colorado which at least from on surface for the nhl squad seems to have no room for anybody else why would college free agents continue to sign with the eagles is there a big turnover being expected? I mean, is there another cup run in the distance? Oh, there probably is. But, you know, it's interesting to know why some players choose some organizations over others. And I just can't put my finger on it. You know, is it fit? Is it is it the organization itself? Uh, hard to say, but, you know, there seems to be some magic dust down there. Up, Maybe it's a mile high. Maybe there's lacking oxygen. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'll tell you what it is. This is my opinion. Hey, this is my show tonight. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Paul's not even listening anymore. He just kind of unplugged. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I, I, I listen but, to you enough. <laughs> but anyway, I, I think it's a couple things, Nick. I think they like the organizational structure that, that Colorado has. I mean, guys get opportunities. Um, and I think that's why you see the younger guys going there. I, I think that's why you see a guy like Alex Galchenyuk go there. Um, and then the second thing is, well, well, there's three things, really. That's one. Two is I really think they like the, the coaching staff in Colorado. Uh, I really think that they do a really good job of developing players and moving them to the next level. And I've got a feeling that's why Ryan Sandlin chose to go there um, with Wyatt Ahmet there because he saw what happened to Wyatt and the opportunity he got and how much he's developed uh, in a year at, at Colorado. And then the third thing, I think, is if you're going to play in the AHL, either go to Coachella Valley or go to, to Colorado because that environment is electric. I'm not taking anything away from Henderson or San Diego or any of them, but I'm just telling you, when you have that kind of fan support where you're before five, six, seven thousand 7,000 people every night, that's a fun time to play, and the Colorado guys will tell you that. Uh, they love playing at home because it, it's big time atmosphere. And, you know, it's hard to go from a, a big time college program to, you know, five, six, seven hundred people in a game in attendance. So that's my thought. Paul, what's yours? Well, uh, listen, you always want to play in front of a lot of people, right? I think we're in the I think we are in uh, a segment of time where all of these players have experienced playing in, in empty buildings. And, you know, as I have heard various coaches say uh, at various levels, playing uh, in front of hostile crowds is better than playing in front of no crowd. Um, and I think every player would admit that. So, I mean, it's not like that doesn't make a difference. And... Um, you know, if you're if you're playing for some of these winning organizations, right? I think you get scouted maybe a hair differently. Um, at least subconsciously, you'd think that it's, well, this team is is just won a cup and is is a quote unquote. Look at their NHL roster, even if they have injuries. Um, what are they missing that we did? What are they seeing that we missed? Well, let me give you one example uh, from Colorado. Jason Megna, as you know, Jason and I have gotten close over the last couple of years. Um, and and Megs is playing and playing a lot in Colorado. And uh, when the opportunity came up for to go to the NHL, he had a couple of sniffs with the Avalanche. But the uh, Anaheim Ducks said, you know what? we'll take you off of there and we'll put you on the big league roster and we're not sending you down to San Diego. That's a great opportunity for Jason Magna to grow uh, as a professional hockey player in the NHL instead of the AHL. So I think, I think you're right, Paul. I think they do a good job in Colorado of highlighting the talent and uh, maybe boosting your stock, if you will, a little bit. But um, on that note, I want to get to Nick on a couple of things. Um, Nick, when you look across the, uh, the transfer portal, and uh, some of the names, you know, are big. Some are not. But um, when you see, are there things that jump out at you that guys that went from one college team to another college team, and 
you can put a finger on it. I'll, I'll give you an example. When you look at what happened with Isaac Coward at UMD, and all of a sudden he's going to Michigan State, and then Red Savage does the same thing. Common thread there is uh, Team USA and the development program and Adam Nightingale, right? Um, it shows you the impact that a coach can have on a young player. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. for, for Isaac Howard, you know, I, I think there's a really big question mark as to what happened up there with him. He, he wasn't, you know, the especially on paper, he, he certainly didn't perform uh, the hype that I think people were anticipating. In fact, kind of lived in the shadows of another freshman, Ben Steves. What a season he had, 20-plus goals, one of the better freshman campaigns that UMD's had in some time, especially in the points gathering. But, you know, with, with Scott Sandlin uh, and his program, you know that he, he demands a 200-foot game. Uh, he demands uh, consistency. And we didn't see that with Isaac Howard. In fact, towards the end of the season, he was a fourth-line player. Um, we know with Isaac Howard, he probably on paper isn't that fourth-line skill set, more in the top six. And so, Brennan, you know, maybe this was a wake-up call for him. Maybe this was like, hey, you know, if anything, I need, I need to work on all of my game, not just my shot and picking corners, but I need to work on my play away from the puck, my defensive game, uh, maybe some special teams play. If I'm going to be a player that goes to the next level, there's things i got to work on. And, you know, that's the thing with some of these players, right? They make this move and maybe they expect more playing time. Uh, maybe they, they see themselves as a top six. And maybe with Isaac Howard, uh, you know, he's a young guy. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a maturity thing there. Obviously, I don't know. I'm speculating. But uh, that, to me, caught me off guard. And I'm not sure about you guys, but North Dakota, one defenseman. They've turned over the entire <laughs> defense. Yeah. Holy yeah. Cow, right? Uh, there's some questions up there in North Dakota right now, um, especially uh, around the coaching staff. Um, uh, again, you know, you go back to the years of, of Clevin and Sanderson. That wasn't that far ago where that defensive core was, was a big reason why North Dakota was a scary team. And now, the, yeah, they get Ludwig Pearson um, going from one NCAA team, team to another. But I hate to say it, guys, but he's playing right now in front of not much different than he had in Miami. Right now a big question mark in defense. Right in North Dakota has got a lot of talent that can score. But what killed them this year is that they couldn't play defense. They had to score five, six to stay in games. And, Brad Berry talked about that frozen face-off. So, I don't know. There's just, you know, some like I said, every year is different. Every team goes through these kind of weird quirks of what the heck happened. And, you know, North Dakota is one of that, too. And that's a program you don't normally see a, a giant exodus, at least in the transfer portal. You usually see guys signing pro contracts, which they did. Right. But it does question what the heck's going on up there in Grand Forks because this is something that we haven't seen on that level. Well, I think there's that. Um, I don't you know, I mean, you know, Lindenwood started basically this year with their defense core was basically all freshmen. Now, I don't think North Dakota is going to go to that extreme. And I think they had a guy or two sign. Uh, I don't have it off the top of my head. So they're not going to have six freshmen back there. But it's hard to win when you have, quote unquote, rookie defensemen all over your lineup. Okay, I know we're running out of time, so i got to get one more question in for Nick on this one. Nick, uh, uh, Augustana coming on board this year. I know that building's coming up quickly, and um, they're looking forward to getting started. And St. Thomas, with that new building on the horizon, um, both growing programs. What's the word up in your neck of the woods about those two programs, and, and how far away are they from being real contenders for not only quality talent but wins and losses? 
I think St. Thomas is already there. Look what they did with Matt Gleason. Uh, uh, Rico, one of the reasons why Miami was uh, as strong as they were was because of him and his recruiting. I think St. Thomas is already there. I think they already have a pedigree. They're already attracting some big names, whether it's uh, the young kids that are looking for their first ever college commitment and guys who are in the transfer portal looking to flip, right? Um, I think St. Thomas is actually going to be a scary competitive team even this year. They made a big jump from year one to year two. The big thing that's killed them in both years, and granted, you can scratch year one, but a tough beginning of the first year. Again, 17 new faces on the Tommies this year. Uh, they were able to put together a really good second half, and oh man, they gave uh, you know they gave a couple teams a run for their money towards the end. Um, so I, I think St. Thomas is already there. Uh, for Augustana, Garrett Raboyne, the head coach, uh, again worked under Motzko for many years, both at St. Cloud and with Minnesota. Um, you know, I think there's a talent there that already can be competitive, uh, but it's going to be a similar struggle, right? Uh, a lot of these players coming in. Uh, it's new faces. There's so much to be said about hockey and chemistry that's on the ice. So it, it's going to be a tough go for, for Augustana, but with that building, uh, that program has got some dollars committed. I think it won't be long. I think they take a similar trajectory to St. Thomas. I think they start being more competitive year after year and pretty early on uh, in their existence. Yeah, I, I think those. I think the other seven teams in that league should be afraid. <laughs> I think they are. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think there's any question about it. Um, Miami has not been the same since Rico Blasi left. And, you know, I've said it on this program a bunch that I'm a big fan. Um, and just with the way um, Augustana has operated in this first since they announced, um, they're, they're not uh, – it doesn't look like in any way, shape, or form that they are uh, uh, worried about uh, where the checks are coming from. Because no. they're, they're not, no. and, and that makes a huge, huge difference. Yeah. When you go get your coach and fly him in on a private jet to make the announcement that you hired him, yeah, yeah. you're okay. Okay. Nick, thanks so much for joining us. The Pro Hockey, the Pro Hockey West Report starts on April 13th. Hopefully we're going to get you on board here sooner rather than later. Um, you know my schedule this week for AHL. It is a uh, push to the playoffs for the American Hockey League teams out here in the Pacific Division. Uh, I will see most of them in the next um, seven days. So we'll look forward to that. Thanks for joining us tonight. Appreciate uh, your insight as always, and we'll be in touch real soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Happy to always be on. Appreciate it. Thanks, All right. Nick. That's Nick Maxson joining us, giving us his insight on college and professional hockey as well. Okay, Paul, uh, take it away. We're running late. From the Summer Skate Studios, behind the masks, College Hockey West live on the IcetimeHockeyWest.com network. Brought to you by Jesse Ray's Barbecue, the best in barbecue Las Vegas style. Available at our two locations, 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas as well as 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson. Behind the mask, whether you use blades or wheels, whatever your hockey needs are, see our three Valley locations or BehindTheMask.com. Top Golf, play some of the world's most iconic golf courses without packing a suitcase. Find out how. See your local Top Golf Center or go to TopGolf.com. Liberty University, over 700 programs of study to help you impact your community on and off the ice. Strengthen your faith at our state-of-the-art campus. 
See us at liberty.edu. College Hockey, Inc., your NCAA hockey resource. The Spaghetti Shack, comfort food quickly with three locations in Arizona, Tempe Pine Top, and the Ghost Kitchen in Queen Creek. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos Worldwide, where the action is in the resort or in town. College Hockey West Live presented by Behind the Mask and all of the IceTimeHockeyWest.com podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and available for download wherever you get your podcasts from. Search, subscribe, rate, review, help people find the show at ITHSW Podcasts, all one word. It's ITHSW Podcasts, all one word. Behind the Mask, College Hockey West Live, and all of our weekly podcasts are part of the IceTimeHockeyWest.com network. Very well done, my friend. We'll say a big thank you to Nick Maxim for joining us tonight. And uh, Paul and I will, of course, be back tomorrow night, um, a little earlier than normal, Paul, because uh, I've got a game to go to tomorrow night, an AHL game. And then uh, Tuesday night we'll be back with uh, College Hockey West Weekly. Hopefully we'll have a guest on Tuesday night to uh, – kind of things get things rolling into this frozen four which happens this weekend again uh minnesota and bu will play the first game michigan and quinnipiac the second game live from tampa florida good night everybody good night